So, yeah, I was going to share on missions because that's us. I mean, we've had this dual calling, really. I'm a pastor. That's probably my primary calling. And it's gone backwards and forwards until I realized that both of the callings were in our lives. And um, I, was, I was going to – is there another piece of paper here? Yeah. I was going to do one of these Amy things. You see, that was going to go on the whiteboard. And um, that whiteboard, you know, you know Amy, how Amy does it? Yeah, oh, I thought I could do that. So I even came on Thursday and did a practice run, but slowly, you know how like a balloon starts to go down? I just felt it wasn't really exactly what God wanted me to do. Not this time. Maybe we can do it as a special sometime um, at a, at another evening during the week or something, you know. But m um, because it was very, you know, precept upon precept and how the local church works then and all that. And it might have been interesting. I don't know. Maybe I got it wrong. But I woke up on Thursday morning as well because I had a oh I don't have that message. I've, I've read I don't very rarely do I write messages three or four times. In fact, in the end in Africa, I could um, – probably not the right way to do it, but just get up and go for it. And um, uh, it's good to be able to do that, but uh, it's also good to prepare. So I had this gap at the top of the message, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to introduce this thing, so I was struggling with it a little bit. I woke up on Thursday morning with the words in my heart, enlarge the garden, enlarge the garden. And so I thought about that, and I tried to fit it in the front of that message. That's what I was doing here on Thursday afternoon with our dry run with the, black with the whiteboard. And I sort of, yeah, you know, it was okay. But as the weekend's gone on further and further, I just realized that's not quite where I'm going this time. So I'm going to use that aspect of enlarge the garden. Um, I'm going to share that this morning as more of a like a, mm, what can I call it, maybe a prophetic message in a way of where God is taking us um, to enlarge us. Now, some of us might say, oh, enlargement, <laughs> I'm having enough trouble keeping up. And I understand that. So please just have patience with me because I'm going to end somewhere nice. Um, <laughs> I am going to land this plane somewhere uh, towards the end of the message and get it down on the ground in a practical way. How's that? Okay, great. So let's go for it. So this Enlarge the Garden actually came from Genesis chapter 1. So we'll go there for those of you who bring your Bibles, because I don't even bring it these days because I use my phone. But I think I'm going to start bringing it more often because it's a little bit more friendly and easier for me to use. So the, the concept of the garden, by the way, is just to give you a bit of introduction. It's to do with the Garden of Eden and what God intended, I believe, what God intended through the Garden of Eden is Basically, that man should be planted there and to expand that garden out so it would cover the whole earth. So the influence of God through man would start with the Garden of Eden, which I think was actually quite large. I, I was, I've been trying to nut it out, and I don't know how large it was. It says there was a river watering the garden uh, in chapter 2, and it flowed from Eden. So, I mean, I'm not sure how big this Eden was, and I'm not a theologian. I haven't studied it very much, but let's just say it was quite large. And Adam and Eve were put, put in there, and um, I'll, I'll prove my case, I hope, not only here, but right through the Bible, there is the theme of God wanting to expand to, to, for, for the church, for us, to be an influence wherever we are, whether it's in our home, our business, our study place, uh, wherever it may be. And I know we've been on a journey, and for some of us it hasn't worked out too well, or we've had some disappointment and so on, so I'm aware of that. 
in the background. So some of you are a little bit wary and so on. Um, by the way, I had an interesting thought during the prayer time beginning of the service. And I thought, this place is like um, King David and all of those um, rebellious people that met him out in the bush. And I, I, I kind of felt that this is a good picture of what this church is like. It's a lot of misfits who don't fit in the religious system or the, um, y- you know, you some of us have been rebellious. Some of us have uh, come from, you know, you just don't fit. But they joined David in the desert because he was running away from King Saul. And he built them into an army, a formidable army. So just have encouragement. If you've been a bit naughty and rebellious and couldn't fit anywhere else and somebody's dragged you along here and all that sort of stuff, you're in the right place, okay? <laughs> yeah, so that's just a, that's a side little, that's a little extra. If um, Even if you didn't pay for anything this morning, you got that one free. <laughs> so I want to start off with Genesis chapter 1 because this is kind of where it starts from, for me and expand on that. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea. That word rule, we'll come back to that. It comes out more in 28. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth. Did you get that? Rule what? Right. And over all creatures that move along the ground, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Why would God want the earth to be subdued? Because the enemy, the devil, has already been thrown down to the earth. And he's represented in the garden a little bit later by that second tree. What? There was two trees in the garden. One was the tree of life, which represents God. Or maybe you could even say Jesus. I mean, don't be too strict about these things, but there's a principle there. And there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the devil had already been thrown down on the earth. That was why it was all dark and so on in verse chapter 1, verse 1. You know, so God then brings man into the system and he creates the earth or recreates, I don't care what theology you've got, it's in here, whatever it is, it is. It it, it looks good anyway. (laughs) Whether it's 7,000 years or 7 million years or nothing, forget about all that stuff, it detracts from where we're going. But he actually made it look good, whatever it is. And, but but the enemy was there. And so God was going to introduce his prime creation which the enemy wanted. He wanted that close place. He wanted to take that place from God. He wanted to be above everything. And God said, no, you've got a a place as an angel, and you need to minister that. It's a beautiful place of worship and light and so on. But he wanted more. So God brought man into the situation, which is the more, to tell you the truth. And then he said, this is what you guys are going to do, Adam and Eve. I want you to take over the whole earth. In essence, now I've never seen that until more recent years that it's actually embedded there. Amen. Now, of course, things went upside down, and 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 a man was, or the serpent came in the garden, and we know the story where man, Adam and Eve, fell and so on. But there was man was placed in the in in Eden in this garden, and I believe it doesn't say to expand it, but how else was it going to happen? Okay, so it's just a thought. I may be wrong, but it doesn't matter. 
expansion is there. Subdue all the earth. Um, in chapter 2 it says in verse, 18, verse 8, sorry. Now the Lord had planted a, a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord made all kinds of trees and blah, blah, blah. And then in verse 15, again, there's a restatement of that. The Lord, uh, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work in it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, and but you not, must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will be surely die. I wonder what would have happened if they'd actually eaten of the tree of life. It doesn't, se- doesn't sound like they actually did that at that point. But I believe that's still our choice. We can eat from the tree of life or we can eat from the tree of good and evil. And, and that's the temptation that's before us all the time. And when we get rebellious and so on, that's what we get into. And we reject God and we rebel just like Adam and Eve did. So just going on from there, um, evil uh, increased after that with the fall of man. And um, it was not good. Things got worse and worse, and then finally God found. Um, it's actually it's interesting though. There was a point when man did call on the name of the Lord, just at the last verse in verse in chapter four. So you see these little bits of light here and there, but then it goes on to the genealogy of Noah. So, so with Noah, he says, "I'm going to start all over again. I'm just destroying this thing, Noah, and your sons and your wives." And so Noah built an ark of safety, and so. A new start happened. And it's interesting, the um, promise to Noah in chapter 9, um, immediately after the flood. Then God blessed Noah, verse 1, and his son saying to him, listen to this, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The original instruction is still there. The original plan of God is that the earth should be filled with his glory. As the waters cover Amen? And that's going to happen, whether it's with you or somebody else. So you can choose to be a, b- a part of it, or you can just say, no, nah, pass, let somebody else have that. It's repeated again in verse 7. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth, and increase upon it. Now, we know that man uh, disobeyed that. And um, by the way, in, in Genesis and a lot of the Hebrew writing, you can't take everything as being strictly chronological because it seems like there was an expansion in chapter 10 of Genesis um, where it mentions the different nations that came out of Noah and so on. And then we hop over into chapter 11 because chapter 11 is a picture, a little bit of the general response of man. So let's chapter 11 is the story of the Tower of Babel. You know all about that? Oh, good, so I don't need to read it. But I will read parts of it because it's quite instructive or quite interesting because actually it's a point where man was disobeying God's command to go out into the earth. And I'll bring that out. Verse 1, now the whole earth had one language. Remember that? Okay, so we didn't have languages or different cultures at this point. Okay, and a common speech. So as men moved eastward, they actually did move eastward. But they found a plain in Shina and settled there. They stopped there. They stopped their movement. They stopped the expansion. They stopped the increase. They stopped the rule that God wanted them to do to subdue the earth. And they said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar from mortar. 
Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. That's interesting, isn't it? They were finding their own way to heaven. It's my interpretation. You can, you can, you can throw it out anyway. You're all experts anyway. So, <laughs> no, it's just tongue in cheek. It's with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Hello. It sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Really, it does sound like a good idea because we're family, we're one. Let's make a name for ourselves. We don't want to be scattered. Who wants to be scattered? I mean, you look at your own children. Do you want your, scattered, your children scattered all over the earth? Ooh, careful if you're called to missions. You can't say no on that one. I will bring missions in a little bit here and there this morning, but not, not so much as to the fore of it. Okay, so they said, so that we may make <coughs> a name for ourselves and, be and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Mm-hmm. So the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. Verse 6, and the Lord said, <coughs> If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Interesting, isn't it? This is the negative aspect. By the way, you can I, t I use this a lot, this passage, in a positive aspect when everybody's got the same vision, same heart, in a, in a situation, so that principle actually kicks in, but in a positive way. All right, so let's leave that though. Now it's negative. So even what they're planning in a negative sense, they it, it seems to say that the Lord was saying that they'll actually reach heaven themselves. Can't have that. Why? Because there's sin in their hearts. It's not the way I'm planning for it. Come, let us go. Let us, haha, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them over all the earth. Da, 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 da. If you don't, I will, he says. Basically, isn't it? Have you got it? You hear that scattering, moving, expand, go out? No, we want to have our own little happy party. Thank you very much. We're very, very comfortable here. We love each other. And sounds like the church. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, sorry, not this church. Don't worry, I've been a pastor for many years, and this is basically how the local church works, generally speaking. I'll show you that a little bit later on. So I'm not having a poke uh, at this church at all, but it is a, a tendency for us as Christians to, as God is doing something, to try and keep it to ourselves because it's so nice. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. And that is why it's called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world and from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So that's why we have different languages. That's why we are in different places in the world. We come from different cultures. Now each is relevant and unique and special uh, because God did it. Amen? But that means now everybody has to be reached within their culture and within their langu langu language and their context. Okay? So um, that's missions. I'm not going to go into that much more now. I just want to move on because the, this other principle is here. So God scattered them. So God chose a man. If we go to chapter 12, now because God's plan is coming into place, he's still going to have his way in this thing. So he says, okay, it's not as if God is just thinking all the time, what am I going to do next? 
Um, he had this in his heart and his mind all the way through. And he is going to do what he wants to do at the end anyway. I was going to to show you a little bit about that. I'll just share it very, 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 very briefly because it's interesting. If you work from the end backwards, it helps you a lot in your planning and the way you think and so on. So the end in Revelation, I won't spend much time there, but just to stretch your brains a bit further, is the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven and the river of life flowing out from that. There's no crying, no tears. It's great, isn't it? Have you realized how big the new Jerusalem is? I did another look at it because I couldn't believe how big it was. And it's basically, in Australian terms, from Albany to Port Augusta in South Australia, then straight up towards Darwin, not quite to Darwin, straight across north of Port Hedland and, and Exmouth and down through to Albany. That's how big the new Jerusalem is. Now some of you are looking at me, oh, yeah, right. You know, it's a Kiwi joke, isn't it? Well... Have a look for yourself. It says 12,000 stadia, which is about 2,200 kilometers. All right? And it's as, as, it's, it's as wide as it is, well, I mean, both directions, 2,200 kilometers. And the other surprising thing is, which I can't get my head around, is it's also 2,200 kilometers high. So that's going to have Emirates are going to have some trouble flying around that when they're coming in from Dubai to Melbourne, aren't they? Just my joke, of course, isn't it? So if God's going to do that, and he's still going to do that, he's going to use you and I and many others to do it. He's going to have his way. Now, of course, there's a lot of theology there. It's going to be a new earth and new heavens. and Yeah, okay, but don't worry about that. It's just somehow the that's how big God thinks. He's going to have a new earth. Maybe have a new earth. Maybe there's going to be other cities. I don't know. I don't really want to go into that. All I wanted to do was, as far as that is concerned is to show you that God is going to have his way and there is going to be a big city and anyway, I won't go any further there. All right. Now, just to jump back here to chapter 12 of Genesis. Can you do that? Jamie, right. Who's, who's the main character in chapter 12 of Genesis? Abraham, right? So God says, okay, I'm scattering everybody, but somehow I still want them to do what I want them to do. At the moment, they're scattered, but they're not doing my will. So let's do it this way. I will raise up a man, and out of him I'm going to bless him, and through him I will bless the nations or the cultures. Mm, mm, one or two people. Let's read it then. This is a little bit far-stretched, isn't it? The Lord said to Abram, "Leave your country and your people and go to your a, and your father's go to your father's household." <laughs> this is missions all over again. By the way, missions the Bible is actually written out of missions, not missions in the Bible. Mm. The Lord said to Abram, "Leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation, that's a people." a culture, an ethne, and I will bless you. Hallelujah. We love that first part. And I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So that's God's purpose, isn't it? Both in Israel, it was his purpose, but it was also that, that you can apply that to the church. It's exactly the same. And I'll bless those who bless you. And uh, like this part, whoever curses you will be cursed. And I will curse them. Nobody said amen. I like that. Yeah. Don't you curse me. You're in trouble. 
And finally, at the end of verse 3, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All nations, all ethne will be blessed because you believed Abraham, they will believe and they will know that there is a God in heaven who loves them. Basically, that's what that says there. Because that's multiplied. We don't have time to go into it, but it's um, expanded on. Or maybe just very quickly, I can just show you one of them. Chapter 17, verse 4 and 5, it's, multi it's actually um, said again. Um, verse chapter 17, uh, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham, but your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And I'll make you very fruitful, and I'll make nations of you, and kings will come from you. And I'll establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. Hallelujah. So, I mean, there's that expansion going on there, isn't it? Enlarging aspect, right? Right? You see it immediately. There's another promise somewhere. I think it's in chapter 18. I'll read it very quickly. Verse 18. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Hallelujah. All nations shall be blessed. And blessing speaks of encouragement. Blessing speaks of enlargement. This blessing speaks of peace and joy and fruitfulness and so many other things. And so that's repeated into Isaac's life and into Jacob's life and so on. So um, it's interesting, I think, in as far as Isaac is concerned, in chapter 26, it speaks another element of this increase in what it, actually what, what it is. Chapter 26 of Genesis, verses 4 and 5. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. So that's going down to the third generation, which he had 12 sons and so on. And that's where Israel, his name became Israel as well. But verse 5 is very interesting. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, and my decrees, and my laws. You know, because Abraham obeyed, this has now come into your generation. And as you obey, so it will. So there is an aspect of obedience that God requires of us as we walk with Jesus. Okay, let's just quickly put it over into today. Whatever the Lord says. I just encourage you to be obedient with it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. It's not laws and regulations, by the way. Some of us have come from very, very strong manipulating control situations. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about out of a relationship with Christ. There will be steps of obedience that we will be required to take so that we can take the land. Amen? So just sure obedience, that with obedience there comes empowering, with the obedience comes the ability, with the obedience there is some perseverance required, but God will take us through and into that. Amen. Hallelujah. So just looking at the promises, I'm going to jump quite a bit, there's a lot more that we could actually look at uh, through, the, through the Old Testament, I'm going to jump over to Isaiah in chapter 9. Where is that scripture, by the way, where it says extend your tent and, um, yeah? I keep on thinking about it, but I never looked it up. It's somewhere. Is it Isaiah 36, you say? Ezekiel, is it? Oh, whatever. Anyway, that's another one. We won't go there, but there's another expansion one, isn't it? 
single bearing woman. Hallelujah. Enlarge your tent, the place of your dwelling. Stretch out the, the ropes. Enlarge, enlarge. Amen. So you see the principle coming through all the time. But I want to read just a very interesting part of the promise of the Messiah coming from chapter 9 of Isaiah. Chapter 9, just reading verses 6 and 7 should do. For unto us a... Right, we know where we are. So, so unto us a child is born or given, and the government... What? Government speaks of rule, authority. Yes? Okay. Will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. How can G Jesus be called Everlasting Father? Hi. The theologians have trouble getting their head around that one. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Isn't that interesting? Now, our experience often is opposite. I realize that in life we've often experienced the opposite where things don't seem to be going ahead. Things don't seem to be happening. And it's just good to keep this in the back of our minds when things are going upside down, when, in a sense, when all hell is happening. Because God is going to bring you through. He, there will be a season and a time where that increase will happen. It might seem when we look at church history that this promise has not actually happened. But I believe in the background, God is working and moving. So of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Hallelujah. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal, or the power, the desire of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Just some promises that I just keep looking at from time to time. When things aren't going like, you know, part of our role or what we do is we want to go into new people groups to see the, the gospel established. And the remaining ones, I want to pick one of them, the remaining ones are remaining because they're too tough or very difficult to, to, to break into. Um, either they're in inhospitable areas or regions um, they have religions or faiths which are very difficult or, and reject the gospel and particularly the way in which we present it. And so this is a good scripture to remind us, no, hold on, there is, a, there is a way into this people group somehow. There's a way around these barriers that have been put up. There is a way to break through. There will be expansion. And I have to pray into this sometime. And uh, uh, I went to Zanzibar recently, and some of you might think Zanzibar, that sounds like a nice place. Actually, it was. But it's completely or virtually 100% unreached. There are some churches there, but they are mainland churches from mainland people who have come in as Christians and raised up churches for themselves. But they can't break through into the Muslim stronghold of Zanzibar. And yet, while I was there, I, we found even using English, we were able to talk to some of the Muslims that we chatted to on the street just began to talk to them about the prophets and talk to them in their language. Not, not, uh, we were okay, I wasn't able to talk Swahili, but talk in their language of the prophet um, and even the prophet Jesus, because if you speak about the prophet Jesus, they don't have a trouble, any trouble with that. So we were able to talk about it. And I was, I was totally amazed at how open they were to talk to. And I thought, you know, it's not going to take the, the, the Tanzanian church much with a little bit of training to do it differently, come in a totally different way, 
and get into the hearts of these people. So there is a way of doing it. So God wants to expand. God wants to, you know, Zanzibar to me is just too juicy. It's too inviting. It's just, it's easy for a foreigner to go there. You don't have any trouble. You can just land there and go as a tourist. It's so easy. So what's the problem? Why aren't they reached? Amen. So anybody wants to go to Zanzibar with me sometime? I'm I've talked to Brad about it, so we can take a team. It may be as an exposure team or something like that. Um, but just to go and just pray, like, like prayer, it would be great if a lot of the people would pray people, just to pray on the streets and just to see, because we're developing strategy for it, and that would be a great backup for that. So anyway, we can talk about that in the future. I've spoken to Brad. Brad's happy about it, so he might not want to lose you all, but it's okay for a week, okay? Yes, that's right. Yes, yes. He can probably come. <laughs> so, that promise that we've seen in Isaiah, my goodness, it's 10 to, that's because everybody was talking so much beforehand. Isaiah, <laughs> that's not a that's not a, a angry thing, it was just jokes. So, Isaiah, it, we see in Isaiah chapter 9 this promise of expansion. So, what did Jesus say about this? If this is speaking about him, what, did it not Jesus say several times that I've actually been sent to the lost sheep of Israel? And in fact, I, wa I, I haven't been sent to the nations. Well, he actually didn't say he wasn't sent to the nations. But Jesus was preparing those 12, and by extension the 72 and so on. He was it preparing them for, yes, for Israel first, because, you know, you needed to raise up a team to reach that nation first before they could reach elsewhere. In fact, the one or two examples of where they tried to reach elsewhere was quite interesting. As they went back, as they traveled through Samaria one time, the Samaritans said, no, you guys can't stay here tonight. You just disappear, will you? So what did Peter and John say? Shall we call fire down on them? That was their cross-cultural way of doing things. So they weren't ready for cross-cultural ministry yet. So that's one of the reasons why Jesus didn't say, you know, he didn't. He had enough trouble letting them loose on the on, on his own people, let alone on foreigners. So, and that was an example of. Shall we call fire down on them? They don't want to receive your message, Lord. Just let us know. We'll call fire down and sort them out. Is that the way to reach an, a new culture? No, right. So. There's several scriptures. I'm just going to deal with one very quickly. Acts 1 verse 8 says what? And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So did Jesus just stitch this type of message on at the end of his ministry as a last minute thing? Oh, I better do that. Or was it part of his heart? Did he understand the whole calling to be involved in in the nations. And he did. We know that. But he was specifically called to Israel for those three years to train up those guys so that they could take their message to the nations. But did they do it very well? He said, hey, guys, the Holy Spirit's coming on you. In a few days from now, you shall receive power and you uh, be my witnesses here in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, 
and then eventually to the ends of the earth. In fact, the Greek says concurrently. I think it's uh, there's an idea that as you are, as you are, as you are, and you will be doing also going to the ends of the earth at the same time. Okay, it's just a thought there. I'm not a Greek scholar. Have a look yourself if you're a Greek scholar. But it's interesting that we go right through, uh, there was a bit of persecution uh, with um, Saul and company. Stephen died in Acts chapter 7. But it's interesting in Acts chapter 8, it gives you a little bit of insight that these guys actually hadn't left Jerusalem or very little. This is some years later, Acts chapter 8. says, says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. Hello. There's its word, scattered, coming back. <laughs> so the early church wasn't much better than anybody else, and we're the same, by the way, probably, in our hearts. Uh, do not go too much into that one. Okay. So, <laughs> so all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So finally, and because we know that, uh, who was it? It was um, Philip went down to Samaria and he didn't know what else to do. You know, sorry, I'm just naughty. He was pick, pick, picking his nose, sitting around. Why don't I preach to these people? So he got preaching and signs and wonders started to happen in Samaria. Oh, so the gospel is for the Samaritans as well. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought coming down here by myself. No persecution made it happen. It wasn't by design. Hello. It's all very quiet. Nobody wants to say yes now. No. All right. So if we chop across to chapter 10 very quickly, it's the same principle. You know the story of Cornelius? You know that Cornelius, that Roman soldier? He had a dream. He'd been fasting and praying. He'd given a lot of money to the church and so on. Um, and God said, okay, he sent an angel and said, your, 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 um, what you've been doing has come up for a memorial. And he said, call Peter, who's at Joppa, to come. So he sends some workers. Peter's at the same time in Joppa. He's hungry, he's sitting up on top of the house, waiting for lunch to be cooked again. Those ladies are taking so long. So he's, I, th I might pray, that might be a good idea. So he's praying. And so as, he's, as he prays, he sees this vision of all of these animals and things that he shouldn't be eating, foreign things, coming down three times, and it says, eat, rise up, Peter, kill and eat. He says, I can't do that, I'm clean. And then God says to him, what I have made clean, do not call unclean. And immediately, Cornelius's guys are at the gate. Come to us. And share what you've got. So Peter's going around and around in his head. You see, he had no intention of going to anybody else except for the Jews. Hello? So, of course, he gets there. It's very interesting what, he, what happens because he gets to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius jumps down in front of him, starts to worship him. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not the right thing. And then he says, why have you called me here? And he begins to share, this is what happened to me. So Peter began to speak. Take notice of this. Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation. What a way to say it. In other words, you lot are an unclean lot, and God's forced me to come and preach here because somehow he wants me to preach to you, and I shouldn't call you unclean anymore. That's what he was saying. 
So this is, this is, this is the struggle that we have as missionaries. Is the church generally has this resistance to go to unreached people. But anyway, Peter, in, his, in the grace of God, begins to preach. And it's very interesting because as he's preaching, all of these unsaved, unrighteous whatevers start speaking in tongues. <laughs> no altar call, no giving of their hearts and lives to Jesus, but they start speaking in tongues. And that's what the mission field is like. It's a holy mess. When you start getting out there and working in that expansion, things don't work like they do at home. You have to throw everything out that you've learned at home, apart from the fact that Jesus is with you, and, and the Holy Spirit. And you just go. Or half of your theology is, sorry, you have to throw it out. doesn't work. Otherwise, they'd be reached. Hello? And God is going to do things. It's, I think, what the, the Philippine, Philip, Philip, Philippine, Filipinos call it a holy chaos. And, and it is. When you get out there, it's a holy chaos. It doesn't relate to what you've learned before. God is going to do things that are totally out of the box. You've got to be prepared to go with it. But God is expanding. He will have his way. He will have his way. Matthew 28 says what? All authority, heaven and earth, has been given to me. That means somebody's got no authority. All authority on heaven has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, or disciple all nations, whichever way. And then there's, it, it, it outlines how to go about that. So Jesus didn't just put it on the end just for the sake of it. No, it was part of his whole plan, but the disciples weren't ready for it. How? Just want to just give you a very quick overview and then come back into something about the garden of our own hearts. My goodness, it's 12 o'clock. Anybody got nice roast cooking at home? It'll be nicely roasted. Oh, I'm not going to be long. Um, Matthew chapter 6, which is the Lord's Prayer, by the way. This is just some one method or one way in which we are working into seeing the kingdom of God expanded. To see this expansion. Expand the garden. The extension of that happening in our day. And I see it happening and there's a, a, a really good, uh, very healthy um, intercession uh, aspect to the church here. It's part of the whole. It, it, it's, it's integrated into the church. And just some of the testimonies that are coming out. You heard some this morning so encouraging and part of it comes out of this just pressing into God you know in, in, in the Lord's Prayer chapter 6 of Matthew um, then this is how you should pray our Father in heaven hallowed be your name that's the worship aspect which is very much a, 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 a key aspect of the church here your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's a declaration that's not something, Lord, would you bring your kingdom down here, please, please, pretty please. No, it's, Lord, in the place of your daughter as your son, I stand here and I call down what is happening in heaven to be happening down here. Change is about to happen. Now, you might say that for months and years and perhaps not see some change, but eventually it's going to crack. There is going to be a change in that environment, whether it's your family or beyond, as you continue just wading into that prayer, it's a very, very powerful. Your kingdom come, 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is everything happening right in heaven? Let me just establish that as a question. Some of you are saying yes. Some of you are still not sure about even heaven getting it right. How on earth are you going to get it right down here? How do you see God? You know, some of us have been through some tough times, so I'm not laughing at you. Please, I understand where you're coming from. Some of you have believed God for stuff and it hasn't happened. And that can be damaging. I understand that. But we've still got to see God as to who he is so that he can help heal that area in your life and see you come through. That may never be answered, that thing. Things. Some of us have got a myriad of them. Never been answered. But you've still got to come back to God and say, God, your, 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 king, your kingdom, your heavenly plan, I call it down in spite of what I feel, the disappointment I've gone through, blah, 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 the burnout I've gone through, I've been abused, this and ha that happened, and 100 and other 10 things happened. But Lord, I'm coming back because you said when you pray, I have to say this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. That's part of the provision. Lord, I call your heavenly provision down, whatever it is may be. Lord, for I forgive others who have forgiven me. Lord, I thank you for that forgiveness flowing out. I pray over ISIS, Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, Al-Qaeda, and Hamas almost every day. Forgiveness. I pray into those groups forgiveness. 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 Why? Because I believe there's souls in there that God wants to call out. If you look at that story of Saul, I've just been reading it this week again, chapter 7. He was breathing insults. He was uh, totally against the, uh, the, the plan of God. He thought he was serving God. And there was a Damascus Road moment for him, wasn't there? And that changed things. Who are you? <laughs> yes. When you see the Lord Jesus like that, a lot of Muslims are coming to Jesus simply because they've seen him first. And then they say, who is this? Or they know who it is. And I was even in a situation once in, in Jordan where, where it had happened. There was a lady in the room. She'd seen a vision of Jesus. And another Muslim who'd become a Christian said, next time he comes to him, ask him, what does he want? And that's all they do. They're just trusting God to show up in somebody's bedroom, somebody's heart, somebody's life. He doesn't say things quite often. He just stands there. And then, okay, next time he comes, just ask him, what do you want? Everything, all of that theology of Islam is dealt with in one moment. Bang. Cracked. Gone. Hallelujah. Expansion of the kingdom. The, that's where the West has, has actually had a huge influence. Those 40 days of, 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 of Islam praying for, for Ramadan. Just praying over that every year. Praying it. Starting to see the Jesus turning up. Okay. I want to finish off now because it's time up. I want to come back to Genesis 3 because I want to talk about finish off, it's going to be very quick about a little bit of even that song which we were singing before, My Heart is Open, um, has an open space for you to come and have your way. I am open, I am okay. And in, in, in chapter 3, I just noticed this as I was reading through yesterday, they might have been, yes, it was yesterday. Remember, this is after, I'm talking about from verse 8, this is after Adam and Eve fell. Remember? And if I was God, I'd be very angry with them. But in verse 8 it says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? 
And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And so, so it sounds like God actually turned up every day in their lives. Possibly. It says in the cool of the day, I don't know when it could be, but I just want to encourage you. I know I've been talking about expansion and doing this and growing in the garden and taking kingdoms and cities and towns and villages and going to the nations, but really that's not going to happen unless there's something, your garden, your inside here, the garden of your heart, is, is, is not open to the Lord so that he can expand himself on the inside. And even though Adam and Eve sinned and they did everything wrong, it was God who initiated this thing. And he was walking. Still it was st they were still in the garden, by the way, if you want to talk about the Garden of Eden. They were, they were still in the garden at that point. But let's just say it, the garden of your heart. God, I believe on a daily basis, this has really been a revelation to me this week, and I'm, I'm not there yet, but I want to start making sure I put some time aside so that God can walk in my garden and sort things out. Because our tendency is to run away. See this here? But, <coughs> but they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? God is hunting. No, that's the wrong word. God is seeking a place in your garden for him. He's bringing everything in. You don't have to prepare except a little bit of that song. My heart is open space for you to come and have your way. I am open and it, it's all he is asking for. He will do the rest. So all of this expansion, yeah, God wants to do that and he will do it, but really it's going to happen in here first. Okay? So that's why I wanted to bring it back this and you know like all good preachers I don't even know what I'm going to do next but that's beside the point let's just wait on the Lord just for a moment please forget about the piece of pork that's in the oven Lord you're doing a unique work in, in each of our lives Lord I've seen it so many times it's a privilege for me to be in the shed for example <coughs> that's just one place where you're working. Lord, and that's all you're asking in the guy's lives is, can I just come in with my rugby, with my rugby or boots on and run around inside your heart? Ladies, he wants to come inside your hearts with his ballerina shoes on. You know what I mean? He just wants to be where you are at in your world. He's not asking you to get yourself all sorted out just wants that, I think I heard Rose say, yieldedness. He wants you to, to be ready. My heart is an open space for you to come and have your way. I'm open. I'm open. I'm ready to take the risk. I've been hurt before. I even blamed you, Father God, for a lot of what's happened in my life. But Lord, help me even get past that. And come and walk in my garden in the cool of the day. Help me not to hide behind the trees that I'm holding on to. The leaves that I'm covering myself with. Naked before you. <coughs>